Hi there, and welcome to another interview. Today, I've got the fabulous Natalie with me, and I'm going to ask Natalie the same sort of question that I ask everybody that comes on. Hey, Natalie, why did you start thinking about your nutrition? Be here. Let's see, it's interesting. It's heartbreak. I got out of a toxic relationship. I was in my mid 20s, and I was a mess. Health-wise, uh, much more shape at 25, 26, 29 than I am now at 40, about to turn 41. And it was uh, really, it was gut health. That was probably the number one thing that I struggled with my entire life uh, from about a preteen all the way up to my mid-20s. I had ulcers. I had chronic migraine. I had chronic sinus infection. I had chronic GERD. Um horrible menstrual cycles. It was just kind of nothing that could be called a disease that could be treated with a specific surgery or medication, although I was on a lot, a lot of pharmaceuticals on a day-to-day basis. But it was one of those things that's not like, here's your diagnosis. This is clear. Run with it. It was always all of this kind of um, inconclusive tests. You're not this much of it or it's not that much to determine and so I kind of flew under the radar but I was on all these medications just to maintain some semblance of normalcy that now I know was not normal so it was breaking up with this guy that was treating me horribly and kind of starting all over in every aspect of my life uh, that made me look inward and I was kind of in this like healing period. And so during that time, I was healing my heart and healing my mind and discovering who I was again. Uh, I dove into health and nutrition and fitness all at the same time, kind of um, just trying to find a good way to live to where I felt good in my body and I felt good about myself. Um, so that's kind of what started it. And then I just went down the rabbit hole and further and further and deeper and deeper over the years. What is 20? It's 2024 now. 13 years ago now that it all started. 13 years. Yeah, but it's been a good 13. It's not 13's unlucky for some. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So all of those things there, the chronic ulcers, migraines, GERD, sinus infections... Do you think that was down to your environment in a toxic relationship or was it the toxic relationship that led you to bad eating habits? What what, what do you think actually was the the thing that the, did the The food, the eating habits were definitely started first um, because at a really young age, I started having symptoms. And even looking back at like childhood photos, I can see photos where my stomach was distended like a basketball as a child. And this was in the 80s and 90s before we ever heard of gluten, before we ever knew anything about celiac disease or any of these new things that we're discovering. Any, nobody ever talked about gut health back then. It wasn't even a term. Um, I grew up in a Greek and Italian household, so we had a lot of pasta, Um Although we ate a lot of real food, my mother always cooked. It was very traditional, but it was also like the TV dinners generation and more and more snack foods and, um, you know, all of those convenience things. And so at a young age, I started developing body image issues and started dieting very young, like 11, 12, 13 years old. 
And that led to an eating disorder before I even turned 13. It was uh, started with, I can't even say I anorexic. I tried not to eat and I couldn't not eat. And so I would binge. And so that, I think, looking back, and then that led to bulimia. And this was on and off, all from 12, probably 12 years old, up until my junior year of college. So we're talking 21 years old, maybe 19 when I when I fully stopped. Um, and then after I stopped, and even while I was doing it, nobody knew I was doing it. I was never hospitalized. I never got treatment. Um, it was this like on again, off again thing. But even back then was when I, you know, I had to wear an acid monitor to school because I had problems with stomach acid. And they, of course, back then GI doctors thought it was all you have too much stomach acid. So I was put on proton pump inhibitors. So now I'm blocking the stomach acid. I did that for 10 years. Um, I was on birth control from 11 years old all the way until I was 30. So all of these medications and all of this these issues, I think now when I look back, were very much related to the eating disorder, not getting enough real food nutrition because I was depriving myself of real food and then stuffing my face with junk food and then purging and then going through that again and again. Um, so I was putting a lot of unhealthy stuff in my body, not enough healthy stuff, absolutely not enough meat. Because um, even the family dinners we were doing were always around a protein source. But, you know, you're talking like maybe now that I understand how to track and weigh food, it's probably like four ounces of meat, you know, and then you got all the sides and then I'm going for the dessert. And I was always a sweet tooth. I was always a girl with a sweet tooth. So when I look back, I think that had a lot more to do with it. But then you couple it with I was in a high stress job in my 20s. I had a mortgage. I had this toxic relationship. So now we're just increasing the toxic load and the stress level on top of everything else, not sleeping, working long hours. And then when I did start working out, that was on top of everything else. So we're talking late nights, eating at 11 p.m., going to sleep, you know, just all of the, pretty much when I look back, if I was a client of mine now, I would be looking at the situation like, oh my goodness, there's so much low hanging fruit here. We change one of any one of these things and we're going to have success. You change a few of those levers and then all of a sudden massive success. So it's it's pretty clear why I had such great success even early on and just continued as I continued to chip away at optimizing things. Yeah, I mean that exactly the same here. I was just thinking, wow, there's a lot here that, you know, you could put right and without being too dark and going too deep because this is just a 30 minute sort of quick interview you said you started um thinking about your body image sort of 11 12 13 was that because people at school were bullying bullying you calling you names or was it coming from within or just looking at images what what was triggering that at that early age Kind of a combo of things. We moved from the north. So I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, which is a very, it's a lifer kind of a situation. Like if you're born there, you stay there. Generations are there. There's no moving in and out. There's not a lot of new kids. And then we picked up and moved to the south. We moved to Georgia. So I was 11 when we made that move, and it was a major culture shock. And I was used to dressing like a tomboy, and it was just a very different in a different place with who I was, comfortable with who I was younger up in Boston and then moving down to Georgia. All the girls are wearing short shorts. 
they, they're all, you know, we're coming into our adolescence and sexuality. And I was a late bloomer when it came to that stuff. And so there was a lot of, I don't fit. Uh, most of it generated internally, but there was some teasing about my style and, you know, just kind of not fitting the norm of the Southern girl. Um, I was definitely bigger. Um, I've always had big legs. And this was before I knew anything about body composition, muscle. Um, now it's my greatest asset. I love my big legs. But back then I was really embarrassed by them. And I just wanted to be smaller and thinner. Most of us did in the 80s, early 2000s. Yeah. And, and that image that you just portrayed sort of smaller, thinner, to me conjures up unhealthy, you know, needs to eat proper food. And uh, But I do understand from that era that being incredibly thin was sort of in vogue. But I look back at that that period of time. I mean, there was a model in the UK called Twiggy and the name yes. tells you everything. Um, I've never thought that looks healthy. And, and even in more modern sort of TV shows when the female... Uh, actresses seem to go down that rabbit hole of wanting to be thinner and thinner. I just think they look unhealthy and less fit than they used to. But anyway, we won't get into that. Um, so you you found a different way of eating about 13 years ago. So what was that? Who did you see? Was it an influencer? Was it a person that you met, you know, uh, in person or what? How did that happen? This is kind of an interesting one, too. So it all started with a Lenten sacrifice. I was, um, before I got really into health and fitness, I kind of had a resurgence of my Catholic faith. I grew up Catholic and I was, I dove into the church and I was getting really involved and in learning more about the faith. And I was practicing Lent. I'd always practiced Lent, but I was getting more serious about it. I really wanted to give up something that was, uh, that was, I was really attached to. And for me, that was dairy. Uh, I always thought I had a problem with dairy. I got tested for lactose intolerance when I was 16 years old. Of course, it was one of those inconclusive tests, so I kept eating it, although I got rid of milk pretty early on um, and got into the whole soy milk craze in college. Terrible idea. I don't recommend. Um, so I thought about, okay, I always thought dairy, I, I had a problem with dairy, um, but I was not, oh, once again, I had the eating disorder, right? I was not the kind of person who could just go on a diet just to go on a diet, just to lose weight. It was like all or nothing and it was terrible. So I thought, well, I will try giving up dairy for Lent. It's religious purpose. It was like something I could stick to. So I did it and I started getting, people started making comments about Oh, are you losing weight? Your skin looks great. My mood improved. I started noticing all these things that I had no idea would be connected with the dairy. Um, so because that was Lent, I just I went back to eating it and I noticed the difference. Um, and so I started dabbling from there and that kind of rolled down the hill into paleo. Um, a friend of mine, as I, I just as I discovered the dairy, I started reading labels because I wanted to make sure it didn't have dairy in it. And that's when I started recognizing these labels with a laundry list of things on them. And I didn't know what anything was. And so I started cutting out the processed foods, the breads, all of these things that just, I didn't know what I was putting in my body. I started really caring about what I was putting in my body on another level. And so uh, that's kind of what started it. It went into like clean eating 
And then that led to paleo when somebody put that seed in my head. Oh, are you eating paleo? When, when I was dining out with friends and all I was eating was meat and vegetables. And, and they said, oh, are you paleo? And I didn't know what that was. So then I Googled it and I started learning about paleo. And then I officially decided to do a paleo diet in 2013. Um, or maybe it was 2012. And I had incredible, I never felt better in my life. I could not believe that I could eat a meal and not feel like I needed to take a nap and not have acid indigestion and not have this bloat and this discomfort and this fatigue. It was like, I could go chase a lion if I needed to after eating. And I naturally lost weight. I lost about 30 pounds on that journey. And I'm very small. I'm not even five feet. So on me, that 30 pounds was about a third of my body weight at the time. Um, and inadvertently, I actually, it's funny, we talked about getting getting lean, getting small. Um, I actually did get very small and friends and family actually started getting concerned because I was, I, I didn't even know how much I weighed, but I weighed myself on a gym scale that was broken. So it was one of those old school scales where you have to slide the thing and all I know is that it went to the hundred and it was too heavy. So I know I was under a hundred pounds. And at that point, although I felt amazing and I loved that I could wear whatever I wanted because everything fit, um, friends and family shared concerns. And that's when I started getting into like the macros, the, the increasing my protein and paying more attention to how much I'm eating and that kind of <laughs> well that that's great and yeah you're right i want to get into the next phase and i think that's really interesting that your friends and family noticed you were getting too small uh and without being too harsh it sounds like earlier on when you had lots of problems they didn't seem that interested and were handing you over to the medical profession so it just seems um at least they were interested i think that that's a good thing but that is one of the things that i've find quite common in my coaching is once people start eating healthy everyone wants to poke their nose in you know why are you eating pork why are you eating beef why are you eating fish and i think well they're all good things why are they worried about that they weren't worried when they were eating pizza you know so um yeah what was the next phase and uh you know you mentioned you were paleo but you didn't know you were paleo and i love that about uh, you, we talked before we came on that you don't like the labels and I don't like the labels. So I really love that you found a way of eating and you weren't even bothered about what sort of eating it was. You just found a way by looking at food. And to be honest, that's that's the way I'd love everyone to go, to find the food that they find tasty and makes them feel optimal. So, uh, so you did that. Everyone intervened. Um, they were worried about you. You started tracking your macro macros. What happened next? Okay, so... Um, yeah, so this time when I was paleo, I had gone through two. I had done my first Whole30 in 2013, the following year. Um, I'd heard about Whole30. I looked into that and I thought, wow, a couple of things. Number one, all of the healing people were getting from it um, and the understanding they were getting about their bodies and how it reacted to certain foods. And then the biggest piece was the sweet tooth because I still had the sweet tooth. 
you know, I get into paleo. And before I knew about the label, as you mentioned, it was all about learning to enjoy real food in its natural state without adding a bunch of sauces and frying it and doing all these other things to it. And that to me is still the foundation of, I believe, the best diet for anyone is not covering things with all this, this artificial flavorings and just enjoying it as it is. So once I did learn about the label and started reading into the label, I started making the paleo treats and paleo chocolate and paleo this and that, right? And that's what put some weight back on. So I did the Whole30 um, mainly because of the way that it talked about your relationship with food, that you're not recreating standard American diet junk food. You're not making paleo pancakes and you're not making, you know, these desserts and all that. And I had fallen into that. So um, so I did that. And that was incredibly powerful. After my first hold 30 was when I got off the final medication. So in two to three years, I had gotten off all of those pharmaceuticals I talked about being on. And this was including um antidepressants, all the GERD medications, all of the things, the migraine medications, all of it. The last thing was birth control. And after that first Whole30, um, actually it was before I did the Whole30, I did, I got off the birth control. I was scared about what was going to happen with my cycle. I went on a trip to New Orleans with my cousin and I got my cycle without knowing it was coming while I was on vacation, which would be a nightmare, nightmare for most women, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. To not know it was coming because I didn't have any pain and I didn't have any of the symptoms that I normally had. And that was in the midst of my first Whole30. So the Whole30 kind of took it deeper into understanding my reactions to food and also my relationship with food. And it was after that that um, during that time, I had also gotten back into the dance studio. I was a dancer growing up. I went to college for dance. And about these 10 years between college and in my 30s, I was working a desk job and had stopped moving my body the way I normally did. And so I'd gotten back into the dance studio. I had gotten into aerial arts, pole dance, lira, silks. And so I started building this upper body muscle and this core muscle. I had never had a six pack in my life. And at the end of this whole 30 and having done all this aerial uh, fitness, I looked very fit. I started. I had muscles where I didn't have muscles before. I had a six pack. It was like, what in the world? And people started mentioning, oh, do you compete? And I didn't know what they meant. And then they said, oh, like in bodybuilding and in physique competitions, bikini competitions. So it planted a seed and I didn't do anything at the time, but I was, I started teaching pole dance. I got certified. My second class on payroll, I broke my thumb. And they kicked me out of the studio because I was a liability. <laughs> so I couldn't teach. I couldn't take class. And I started putting weight on. I started eating things that I hadn't been eating. And it started creeping back on. I didn't feel very good in my body anymore. And I was in a kind of a low place mentally because I lost something I loved to do. And, and, and I, wasn't fit, I wasn't moving and feeling good fitness-wise. So that's what led me actually into keto and macros learning macros. Um, I may have learned macros a little bit before keto, but I decided I needed a goal. So I wanted to prepare for my first bikini competition. And so now we fast forward, it's 2015. I didn't end up competing that year, thank goodness, because I had good 
trainers who taught me what I needed to know before I ever got on stage. And I worked with many trainers in my first year. And so I started lifting. I started learning how to lift and and doing things properly, um, correcting movement imbalances. And during that time, I learned how to track macros, how to weigh food. Um, and I was trying to do it. My very first coach for competing was a more traditional coach. And I told her, I, I want to do it paleo. And I was eating a lot of carbs because it was a standard bodybuilding diet. So you eat like 40% carbs, 40% protein, and 20% fat. And pretty quickly, I was like, oof, this goes against everything I've learned these last few years about how important fats are for our health, uh, for hormones, and my gut health, and and all the changes I had made that were beneficial to me. And so I, I was like, even though it's paleo, it was a high-carb paleo approach and can get pretty low in, pro- in fat if you keep going more and more to lose more body fat. So I was lucky enough that that first coach moved away and I didn't even have to fire her. And then I moved on to other coaches. So I started digging in myself and learning more. And I coached myself for my first show using keto as my cutting diet, um, which we know is incredible for fat loss. And and it made it, I won't say, I mean, looking back, it kind of feels easy looking back. Um, I'm sure at the time, <laughs> it wasn't as easy as it feels now um, to do that. But coming from a paleo template, I didn't have a lot of the problems that a lot of people have transitioning. It was a pretty smooth transition to becoming fat adapted because my carbs were, even though they were high in the context of a low-carb diet, they were still pretty low compared to like a standard American diet. Um, I don't think my gut had to do a lot of adjustments from going from paleo to keto. And how often have you competed since then? And how have you been getting on? Well, um, 2016 was my first show. I competed about once a year. I took I took a year off in 2018 and then um, competed. I, I got my pro card in the WBFF in 2019. And I've done two pro shows since then, 2020 and 2022. Um, and I just joined a new federation. My pro card transferred over. So the FMG, it's a brand new federation, brand new brand. I'm very excited. Um, not sure when my next show will be, but it will either be end of this year or early next year. Um, and I've placed in every pro show that I've competed in since. So it's been quite a road. Excellent. I'm so proud of you. Now, uh, I'm going to get something out of the way because some people might know you and know that your partner is Coach Bronson. So I'll ask this question. Did did he ever coach you? How did you meet him? Yeah, actually, he did for a little stint. Um, so oddly enough, we met in Vegas. So some things that happen in Vegas don't stay in Vegas. <laughs> we met in Vegas at a keto conference in 2020 or 2021, it was the first in-person gathering that had happened since the pandemic hit. And we both took a chance on going out there for our businesses. And who knew? We actually went out there for love. We had no idea. Um, It was one of those things that was like a, well, this is it. The rest is history. Like, this is it. So (laughs) it happened pretty quickly after that. Um, We lived in different states, but 
a lot of travel back and forth until he convinced me to move in with him. And uh, we've been together ever since, moving all over the place. We've done a lot of moves since then. Um, he was actually the one that really poked me into going carnivore. So he ushered in my carnivore journey. Excellent. So uh, this is about you. So we're going to go back. By the way, my wife does pole fit and the uh, all of that stuff. Yeah. And you do get a six pack and it does take a lot of strength. But also if you break your thumb, you wouldn't be able to do it because you do need the grip strength, don't you? But um, yeah, interesting story. Just a little um, parallel there. Now, you got into competing, and I liked that you said your cutting diet was keto. I mean, do you do you still do that? Do you still follow keto when you're cutting? What is your prep now for your next show? What we what will you be doing? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so 2022, I actually decided to go carnivore, and I was coming out of not competing for a year. I had a full year off. Um, it was all about optimizing my health and eating more calories and just getting more food in general. This is, by the way, really, really important in bodybuilding. Everybody focuses on the prep and that final stage look. But the truth is that stage look is built in the off season, what we call the off season, which is really the building season. So it's important to take that time to eat enough to fuel your training well and to recover well and to build. And then you just reveal it in the prep. So at the beginning of 2022, I had been eating a lot more. I had been keto um, for quite a while at that point. Uh, and Bronson was kind of a, every time I spent time with him, I'd be with him for a couple of weeks and then go back to uh, Atlanta for a couple of weeks. And he ate carnivore. And so I thought, well, it would just be easy to just eat carnivore while I'm with him. And I loved how simple it was. It's so easy to prepare meals when you're not including all of these other ingredients. And I felt really good when I was on it. And actually, my 2019 show where I got my pro card and my first pro show in 2020, I had used carnivore in that last stage of prep, like my peak week. So the last one to two weeks just cleaned everything up, really helped with my gut, with my lower, you know, your lower or your lower abs need to be tight on stage to be um, competitive. So getting all of the veggies out, and even that's something that traditional competitors do uh, at the very end, they cut out a lot of veggies so that they don't have bloat on stage. So it's not even that unheard of in the industry. As a matter of fact, they even cut their carbs at the very end and then they carb load right before a show to try to make the muscles look pumped. But they don't do it with veggies. They do it with starchy carbs. Uh, so there's something to be said for taking that fiber out. So I felt so good. Of course, gut health was always my goal with all of this. So discovering how good I felt on carnivore and how good I knew I felt during those peak weeks I thought, okay, I'm just going to give it a try for this whole prep. So in 2022, I did an entire prep, carnivore. I would have little diet breaks here and there with allowing some things. But for the most part, carnivore, that was the best peak week I ever had, best physique I ever had. I was happiest. My mood, my energy, beautiful, all the way up to show day, better than ever. So I absolutely loved the way I felt on carnivore. I actually did my reverse diet on carnivore, meaning we bring the the calories back up, adding fats, um, put on some body fat after a show, and 
I will tell you, I stayed really lean. I stayed leaner, leaner for longer than I ever have um, doing that carnivore. We actually, Bronson and I did the lion diet in January of 2023, which was the month after my show. Um, and I was shocked that I was sitting at my peak week weight the entire time we did lion diet. Um, it was you know, just much more difficult to put weight on. You can eat a lot more and get away with it on a carnivore diet, which I would say is another feather in the cap there because this girl likes to eat. So it, that was amazing. Um, at the end of that prep, uh, we discovered, I, I do my blood work with a functional doctor every quarter. Um, and everything looked beautiful, including my thyroid, by the way. Keto and carnivore does not ruin your thyroid. Um, but my testosterone was low, which was very odd. Um, of course, I was coming up on 40. I just turned 40 last year. Um, but I still feel like I'm a little too young for that. So uh, here's the thing. When you compete, it's not healthy, no matter which way you do it. And going keto and going carnivore, it wasn't just about getting body fat off for a show. It was about trying to stay as healthy as I could all the way through a prep as much as possible because getting to in extreme levels of low body fat is not healthy no matter how you do it. But I will say these last few shows when I've done keto and carnivore at the end and this last one when I just did the whole thing carnivore, I did not lose my cycle. Up until the show and after the show, I never lost my cycle, which which says a lot. Um, but getting very lean like that, you can lose your testosterone with that. So um, that's been the thing now. We've been working for the last year in my offseason to bring that back up. And um, we've been trying some different things. So over this last year, um, I've played with bringing carbs up, finding kind of a, a carb threshold for myself, um, where I'm comfortable, where if I go above that, it really tips the scales and I don't feel very good. Um, I've since brought it back down. And over the last month, I've been carnivore again. So um, I'm in a place now where I know that the way I feel best is mostly animal-based carnivore with a few little other things here and there um, for the most part. So I intend um, as long as my blood work continues to improve um, in terms of the, the testosterone is really the main thing now. All the rest of my blood work looks amazing. Um, it's just that one little optimization. Then this would be the lifestyle for me. That's fabulous. So I suppose I ought to ask you, what are your carbs that you use when you're in introducing them? Uh, well, one thing I only gave up one time is coffee. Um, one time when we did the lion diet, I didn't drink coffee for 21 days. Uh, but for the most part, coffee is is a carb guys if you didn't know that coffee's a carb um i do still drink coffee and i still don't do well with dairy my ultimate goal would be to fully heal and seal my gut so that i can handle things like dairy um and maybe some other things i do like some fruit i do like certain veggies uh i don't really miss most veggies uh i love sweet potatoes there's certain things that i really enjoy um and for the most part, most of these things don't bother me. Dairy still does. So in addition to the coffee, I use coconut as my creamer. So I'll do a full fat coconut milk, the canned kind that has the least additives. Um, I'm actually playing with making my own coconut milk with real coconuts uh, as I've been kind of diving into, I don't know if you're familiar with the GAPS diet. 
Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. I did that diet back in 2014 as a part of my journey trying to heal my gut. And I did heal my gut back then. Um, it was incredible. And then I ruined it again by eating junk. So um, <laughs> let's just say over the years, I haven't been perfect on my journey. I definitely have had some deviations and I paid the consequences. Um, so I've been reading up on the GAPS site again. And I actually, that's my next phase is my, my plan to do from the intro diet which starts just with bone broth and then meet with broth. So I'll have to say goodbye to my beloved coffee for a period of time. And then my goal is to introduce the probiotics the way she does it with fermented foods and fermented dairy and play with, you know, can I handle some ghee? Can I handle some butter? Can I handle some cream or some cheese and things of that nature? Um, So I'd love to have, I would say, okay, those are my main carbs. I'm trying to think what other carbs I'm even consuming right now. I mean, eggs have some carbs in them, right? Um, and it, really the only things that I'm consuming right now that are not fully carnivore would be my protein powder, which is a beef isolate. I like the Equip Prime, um, but it does have sweetener. It has stevia, and depending on the flavor, it may have cocoa powder or something of that nature in it. Um, and I'll use, I'll use cocoa butter in my coffee or I'll use coconut in my coffee. So those are the main things right now. And then uh, different times I've played around with other, oh, pickles, like the little things like pickles or olives. Um, I really like those kinds of ferment, real ferments, um, things like that. Um, I've played with yogurt before, real yogurt or coconut yogurt. Um, sometimes had some success with that, sometimes not so much. So it's really individual and it kind of changes over time. I really did enjoy bringing some fruits back in last summer. So that would be nice to be able to do that and not experience. But you're, for the most part, carnivore. Oh, GAPS diet, by the way, for people that don't know, uh, is gut and psychology syndrome. And the uh, author, Natasha Campbell McBride, um, wrote a book about it. I mean, that's how it all started. And incidentally, just for those that are watching, I'm at a conference uh, at the end of March speaking, and uh, Natasha, I think, is going to be there as well. Um, So anyway, yeah. Small world, isn't it? Right. Now then, uh, the, the million-dollar question for everyone is, uh, what are your proteins? So what is your, not when you're competing, uh, but when you're off-season, do you what, do you have two meals a day, three meals a day, and what, what sort of um, proteins do you go for? Do you eat eggs or, or, or ribeyes? What do you do? Sure. Um, yeah, typically it's not very different from uh, from prep and off-season. The only thing is the amount. Um, I typically will do two large meals and a smaller meal a day um, or three, basically three meals a day. Um, I start almost every single day with ground lamb and eggs or ground lamb and ground beef with eggs. And I love just a good scrambled egg. Don't need anything else in it. Um, And that fluffy scrambled eggs, there's just almost nothing better. Um, Every once in a while, I'll get a little over it with the eggs and I'll just do meat. Um, But most of the time, it's the eggs. And then I love lamb. I do a lot of lamb. So lamb and beef uh, with the eggs for breakfast. Lately, I've been doing salmon or tuna or sardines or a combination of them um, in like a tuna salad type of, of deal with a more kitchen avocado mayo um so that's not animal based but um so that and some mustard that would be i guess another non-animal based product that i use pretty frequently um 
I do use spices. I handle spices well. So I'll do a lot of like, I love allspice with the lamb. That's my little trick. It's a Greek thing. It's like the cinnamony, warm spice flavor is amazing with the lamb. Um, yeah, right now I've been doing a lot of the seafood for lunch and then for dinner, almost always either a lamb and beef bowl, ground beef, or I would love to do a whole lamb leg in the crock pot, slow cooked with oregano, garlic, salt, and then just let it fall apart. And I'll either eat it with the broth or I'll flash fry it in the pan so it gets crispy with the lamb fat. Freaking amazing. Um, every once in a while, I'd love to do fatty beef burgers. Um, and I typically do like a leaner beef, like a um, anywhere from 85-15. I love grass-fed, so grass-fed tends to be leaner. So the 85-15 on grass-fed is, is pretty lean. It's like a one-to-one um, or a little bit more protein than fat. Um, but then I'll sometimes add in fat, fats. Um, but I usually don't cook with a lot of extra fat. I just, the, whatever fat comes off of the beef is what I when I consume. Um, I also don't drain my fat. If it's in the thing, I'm eating it. So I love to do like a Wagyu beef and a halal beef, um, combine them together and make a big burger. And then I'll do that with sometimes if I'm feeling froggy, I'll have some pickles with it um, or an egg life wrap. Uh, sometimes I get into a real obsession and I do egg life wraps a lot. And then other times I take them out because they are made with xanthan gum and that can negatively impact the gut um so i'll play with stuff like that but usually it's like the burger for dinner um so yeah that's pretty standard it's brilliant yeah lots of detail people like that sort of stuff so i think two final questions do you live by uh, any rules with your amount of protein you know some people say i have a pound of protein for a pound of body weight or you know or do you just eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full how do you work out how much to eat yeah, so I would say probably the best thing, gosh, can I really say the best? There's so many good things in this journey, but it's definitely top five. Um, the last couple of years, uh, since I started working with my last coach, um, we increased my proteins to a higher level than I had ever consumed before. Uh, I'm, I weigh about 125 at the highest in my off season, you know, a little over 100 pounds, maybe 105, 110 around stage time. Um, I had been eating maybe around my body weight. We started increasing to about 150 to 160 grams a day. So that's, you know, about a good 30, 40 grams above my weight um maintained that all throughout my prep and all throughout my off season uh i have experienced the difference in eating more protein and it has been incredible um for repair for recovery all of the things i need to really build the muscle and support my body through that process um so i've definitely been higher protein than the average bear over the last couple of years um lately i've been playing a little bit with and while i do the gaps protocol i'm also going to be playing with this bringing my fats up to match my protein and bringing my protein down a little bit. So lately, I've been more close to one-to-one -one, um, to my body weight, a little bit over. So right now, I've really been right at 135 protein and 135 fat. Okay, excellent. And I promise, sorry, I promise one last question, which is, 
do you work out fasted? And if so, why? And if you don't, why? No, I do not. Um, I, I get up in the morning and I do a morning walk, but I would not call that a workout. It's not even at cardio levels. It's a very low leisurely walk in the morning. Um, that I will do fasted. That's totally fine. But when I am training, I am fed. Um, I like to train or late afternoon, so like maybe 3 p.m. ish. Um, and that's after I've had two meals in my day. So I've had my breakfast. I eat my breakfast by 10 a.m. or around 10 a.m., if not before. Um, I eat a nice, solid protein and fat breakfast. I eat a smaller lunch and then a, a smaller dinner. So I like to have that that first meal be one of the largest meals. Um, so I'm going into my training with energy that I've put into my body from external sources with protein. Um, I don't feel weak. I, I feel incredible. I have trained fasted in the past. And I will say early on in my keto journey, I felt great training fasted. And so it's a very much a unique to the individual individual thing. I won't say you have to train fed um, because different people react differently to that. Um, and as somebody with a slow digestion um, and slow motility, um, it takes a long time for me to digest. So I like to have at least a couple of hours before my workout since my last meal. If, if it was within an hour, I wouldn't feel very comfortable. So um, to each his own, it's all about you know, when do you have the best energy? And some people feel amazing fasted, but in my experience, a lot of my ladies experience better results when they fast. Well, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. What a journey. You know, we started talking about a toxic relationship and ulcers and migraines and GERD and sinus infections and all of that going on uh, and acid, stomach acid problems and You've ended up a picture of health and helping others as well. It's really amazing, Natalie, what you're doing. So thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Y'all, you can you can go from toxic to the best love of your life. <laughs> Who also happened to usher in the best diet of my life. So one of the things I'm beating myself up over is not asking you that third final question. I asked two, but there's another one. Have you got something new that you want to tell people about? In fact, I do. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. So I have worked for years one-on-one -on -one with clients, uh, women generally over the age of 35 who are seeking to do what I have done, completely change the shape of their body, not just the size. So I just recently launched the Keto Bikini Academy, which is a group coaching program, everything including training plans so you can build the body of your dreams, macros, diet guidance, education, an incredible community and tribe of women who are doing the same thing as you. Um, and we do Zoom, weekly Zoom calls and check-ins and pretty much everything I would do with my one-on-one -on -one clients, but we do it in a group environment. Um, so that just launched in January and we are getting ready to do the prep for summer program. So I'll be taking you through how I prep for a show, but you can prep for summer, for a summer vacation, or any other special event you have coming up. Uh, so that starts beginning of March and the details will be out soon. So I will share those with you, Stephen, so you can share those out. Great. And the links will be in the description.
Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Your support means the absolute world to me. And if you're enjoying the show, I've got a small favour to ask you. I'd be incredibly grateful if you would consider becoming a supporter and make a small monthly donation. Your contribution will really help to improve the show. I'll be able to improve the software, maybe put a few more episodes out and do many things that I'm hoping to do in the future. Do them a lot quicker. So it's a small monthly contribution. You can cancel at any time and the link is in the show notes. Thanks very much for listening.